0: Brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Welcome back to the forty first episode of the RunTogold.com podcast. This is an interview I had on WBT News Talk Radio with Pete Callanor out of North Carolina. And during the first break, he made a joke, well, I made a joke about, he said there was some static on the line, and he'd never heard anything like it before. And I was like, well, I can't hear it, maybe it's the black helicopters. (laughs) Anyways, uh, he asked me, you know, we get into the interview, and he asked me, well, what can we do to, to fix this? If you were an advisor to Obama, what would you do? And so I start getting into it and lo and behold as soon as uh, after I say that there's no uh authority in the constitution for federal reserve notes boom my phone completely dies absolutely completely dies and uh, I can't get it to turn back on for like 15 minutes no idea what's going on of course I had it all fully charged in preparation for the the interview so uh <laughs> uh weird coincidences Even, anyways uh Uh, Here's the interview. Enjoy. You
1: remember a couple months ago, President was talking about how this crisis could become catastrophe. Now apparently we're told that they misread all of that. They misread the the signals, the signs. They misread the economic indicators. Apparently we already were in catastrophe. I don't know what that means now because the stuff that they did apparently is not really working. Um, Along these lines, my next guest, or my guest tonight, Mr. Trace Mayer, he is the author of a book called The Great Credit Contraction, Um, but he also has uh, some insight onto six financial mistakes that governments make. And welcome, Trace Mayer. You're on News Talk 1110 WBT. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you this evening? I'm doing fine. Thanks for making some time for us. I appreciate it. Uh, So first off, uh, give us an idea. Give us your background. Uh, you know, who are you, and uh, what what prompted you to write this book, The Great Credit Contraction?
2: Uh, well, a little bit of my background. I hold a degree in accounting. I also hold a degree in law. So I come to a financial commentary from a little bit of a, of a different perspective. I was prompted to write the book because I've always been fascinated with the financial markets, and uh, I talked to a lot of friends and family about it and they'd always be asking me questions and eventually they asked me to start a website uh, which I did called run to gold.com and it's really kind of taken off and a lot of my readers asked for a book to clarify some of the uh, basic fundamental economic laws and how they work and how they apply and so that's uh, what prompted me to write the book is people asked for it so
1: uh, I obliged and I wrote it. And the website is run2gold.com. We'll have that linked up to our website as well. Um, and so you write this book, and in it you outline these, uh, you you call them economic laws, these fundamental economic laws. How many of them are there, and can you kind of give us bullet points on them?
2: Oh, well, well there, there are a lot of uh, economic laws that are at work. Uh, for example, people act in their own self-interest, uh, for example. Um, but... When it, when it comes to these six things that the governments are doing, uh, these, these uh, particular laws that are applying, uh, for example, they're trying to prevent or delay the liquidation of bad investments. For example, a lot of people bought a lot of houses and commercial real estate property and other things, and they took out a lot of debt to do that. And now the market's trying to liquidate these bad investments, and the government is trying to prevent or delay those liquidations. They're coming out with different programs like the TARP or the TALP or, or these other bailouts. And and so what they're doing when they, when they do this is they're inflating the currency. Uh, they're printing a lot of money out of thin air. Well, that further uh, exacerbates the problem. That further causes more malinvestment. And it's all done in, a, in an effort to keep wages up uh, and also to keep the prices of this real estate and other bad assets up uh, when really it needs to come down because people paid more than the stuff was worth anyways. <laughs> and so uh, these are a couple of the things that are, that are uh, at work, a couple of the laws that are, that are being meted out, you could say.
1: It's a lot like gravity. What of the argument that uh, the dot com bubble uh, was uh, replaced with the the housing bubble, and uh, that that was kind of by design? I've heard criticism that Alan Greenspan, uh, you know, ostensibly an Ayn Rand aficionado, uh, that that he in essence created this housing bubble, uh, and that by necessity it had to pop, and there was no similar efforts to prevent that pop for the tech bubble.
2: Well, you know, are, are they smart enough? Are, are these uh, uh, government officials, are they smart enough to see the, uh, I guess you're alleging they would be intended consequences. Some people will say they're unintended consequences. For, for some reason, I kind of, I, I don't know if they're that smart. Um, <laughs> but Grim, but Grimspan, uh very well could be because, he was, a, he was, as you said, an Ayn Rand uh, disciple. He, he does come from the Austrian School of Economics, and I'm also of the Austrian School of Economics. And you, you'll notice a lot of these people who call themselves economists, they didn't see this coming. Uh, either Republicans or Democrats, left or right, I mean, all across the aisle, a lot of these people that call themselves economists, they didn't see this coming. And they say, oh, well, nobody saw this coming. Well, that's not actually correct. There are a lot of economists who saw this coming. And coincidentally, they're all pretty much from the Austrian School of Economics. And this really highlights a point. Uh, and the point is that what is taught is economics. In most of the universities, uh, most of the economists and the large banks, they're not actually uh, they haven't actually studied economics, but they've studied political dogma called economics. And that, and because they've studied this political dogma, whether it's the Chicago School of Economics or whether it's uh, Keynesianism or some of these other uh, schools that are out there, these other branches of thought, it's still based on fundamentally faulty premises. And when you start off with a fundamentally faulty premise, the analysis that comes out of that will also be faulty. Uh, it's similar to if you start off with the premise that the sun revolves around the earth, whatever model you construct uh, will be faulty. Right. And so, and so, like we had a lot of court physicists that used to argue that the sun revolves around the earth. Today, we have a lot of court economists. Who, by analogy, argue that the sun revolves around the earth, and that, and now that their models are failing, they're like, oh well, nobody could have seen this coming. Well, there are some Galileos out there or Copernicuses that did see this
1: coming right. and and understand why it happens. It's yeah, basically crap in, crap out. you know, in your data models. <laughs> so let yeah, me, yeah. yeah let's... And,
2: that, and that's what's happening. Except it's happening on a grand scale with trillions and trillions of dollars. And people's retirements and pensions, and and it's it's very unfortunate because all the damage, the all the damage was has already been done, and we're just now beginning to uh, to see the effects of this damage that has has already been done, and so we we can't really go and undo the damage, but we can uh, choose paths that that would hopefully mitigate um causing any more damage but unfortunately uh, a lot of the policy is coming out of washington and, and you know bush started the bailout right. and obama is just making them bigger <laughs> so uh left or right they, they still both seem to be infected with this financial insanity virus where it's like well let's just keep causing more
1: and more pain It's because they've got to do something or else people think they're not doing anything um, right. And, and yeah.
2: actually doing nothing would, would, would probably be the best thing that they could do, because it would allow for the liquidations to happen quickly. It would allow uh, people to, to get uh, offloaded at these bad assets, and then they could begin reallocating capital in a much more efficient manner. And so you know the best thing that Washington could do would be to sit on their hands. You know? right. But of course, there are a lot of special interests like the banks. Uh, that that want to be bailed out, and so instead of Washington sitting on their hands, they they pass legislation that that takes a lot of capital uh, and shifts it from uh, innocent parties and gives it to the more culpable parties like the banks and and bails them out at the expense of somebody else. And so we're seeing a lot of special interests at work, and and you know I guess that's just the political process and what we do here in america
1: yeah trace Mayer is uh my guest he's got a website run to gold.com he's also the author of a book the great credit contraction and uh you're you're an entrepreneur investor journalist although we won't hold that against you i was one myself and uh monetary scientist uh you got a law degree and you say you come from uh your, you, 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 your writings and workshops focus on the works of economists Murray Rothbard and Ludwig von Mises. Those are Austrian economists, I'm assuming, from the Austrian school. I'm sorry?
2: Yes, sir. They're, okay. they're from the Austrian School of
1: Economics. Gotcha.
2: And uh, Ludwig von Mises was the first one. wrote Most of his books were published in the very early 20th century, so 1910 or so, and then Murray Rothbard uh, picked up kind of where he left off. There are other Austrian economists like uh, Friedrich Hayek, who won the Nobel Prize uh, for his writings about central bank interference in the market with interest rates and how it uh, regulates production. But, uh,
1: yeah, so that's, that's kind of my background there. Gotcha. So let's see. You, uh, you've got six financial mistakes governments make. Go ahead and recap. We've already gone through a couple of them. R- tick off the ones you've already gone through uh, in the first segment here. Okay,
2: so the first four that we talked about, uh, first, the governments try to prevent or delay liquidation, and this is liquidation of uh, bad investments, uh, malinvestments. So people bought a bunch of homes, they overpaid, now there's a bunch of debt, they're trying to prevent or delay uh, the falling of these house prices. They do this by, and this is the second point, they inflate the currency further, uh, and the two reasons they, they do this the, the third one, the third point would be they want to keep wages up when wages should be coming down and also uh, number four
1: they want to keep prices up the prices of these uh, bad assets Isn't were this paid for and isn't that exactly what the the government did and, and the central bank did uh, in the run-up to the Great Depression and during the Great Depression with artificially inflated wage controls max you know uh, telling industries you know, what they what they could pay their workers.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it was called New Deal. (laughs) Yeah. Because because it had a lot of uh, the Supreme Court the 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 legal theory they tried to create was called economic substantive due process, which was basically we want to have freedom of contract. And uh, Franklin Roosevelt he wanted some nameless, faceless bureaucrat in Washington to to say how you know I'll use eggs as an example. How many eggs should be shipped to? Salinas, California, and what the price of eggs should be there. <laughs> and the, the Supreme Court kept striking him down until he threatened to put more justices on the Supreme Court until they vote the way that, that he wanted them to vote. And then that's when uh, the Supreme Court started switching their votes and allowing the New Deal legislation through. And it's actually called a constitutional revolution. Uh, the leading constitutional historian, Jeproski, uh, that's what he calls it. And it really is because I mean there's a there's a bright line of demarcation in constitutional law where this where this happened in our history, uh, and it and it really did it prolonged the Great Depression and made it a lot worse than it otherwise needed to be, uh, trying to prevent these liquidations and keeping the prices up.
1: All right, so what uh, are and, the next uh, the, the next the last two of the six mistakes? Yeah,
2: so so the fifth point is the government tries to stimulate consumption. And discourage savings. And then the sixth point is uh, the government tries; to, they subsidize unemployment. And so we're seeing both of these uh, both of these points being played out right now because the government's trying to get people to go out and spend. You know, consumer spending makes up what 70% of the economy, and nobody's spending. So they they tried to send out the stimulus checks. They're trying to stimulate spending. Uh, they're trying to discourage people from savings when really uh, what what we need is we need savings. You know, savings is a good thing. Uh, you know, savings is what allows us to, to buy a bulldozer instead of a shovel, you know, or a backhoe to dig a hole with. And so they're trying to do that. And then they're also, of course, subsidizing unemployment, which we're seeing on a grand scale because now I think something like 20 percent of Americans are, receive some form of Formal welfare from the federal government so i mean there's they're uh they're doing all six of these
1: things right now <laughs> well that doesn't make me feel very hopeful that this uh i don't want to call it a malaise but uh that the current economic situation is going to get rectified anytime soon
2: uh, no it probably won't um i i actually the in this this the the this was in one of the articles on my site. I, I said how to intentionally exacerbate the greater depression. So if you want to turn this recession into just a greater depression and make it really bad, like, do these things. And, it, and then Washington came out, and it looks like
1: they're following the advice. So we, so we can blame maybe should, you.
2: Maybe I shouldn't have told them what to do. Yeah,
1: so we can – so there you go. If anybody's looking for somebody to blame, his name is Trace Mayer. and.
2: Oh, no, no. I, I just said you – know, <laughs> This is what would happen, you know, this is the economic law. Like, if you want to break the glass, then drop it from your hand.
1: And government, you know, they're, they're dropping the glass from the hand now. All right, my guest is Trace Mayer. He has a website, runtogold.com, also the author of a book, The Great Credit Contraction. And we've gone through these, uh, these six fundamental financial mistakes that governments make. And the government made them in, in the Great Depression. And government appears to be making them now. Uh, so, uh, what kind of solution is available, or is I don't, I, 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 at the risk of giving people false hope? Because I don't really think it, a, anything that we say here is actually going to be done, is going to reverse this course. But let's just say you're the advisor to the president. Uh, what do you? What would you advise the president and and Congress to do?
2: Okay. So this would be advice. uh, on a general level for the nation instead of individual personal advice? Correct. Okay. Uh, Well, you know, this this raises a little bit more of um, my own personal preferences. Like, I personally, I like freedom, peace, and prosperity. So, in order to accomplish that, I would encourage uh, our elected officials to return to a constitutional form of government. And this uh, has everything to do with monetary policy. What we use is, as currency today, the Federal Reserve note, is specifically prohibited in the Constitution. There is no authority for this type of legal tender.
1: Trace Mayer, I appreciate your time. This will all be up on our website, links to the book as well, and uh, the interview on the podcast, so feel free to use it as you need to, and we'd love to have you back on. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.